0: today on save as
1: the funny thing is that this reuse of materials in new construction it's not new man has been doing this from the dawn of time
0: welcome to save as next gen heritage conservation an award winning podcast that glimpses the future of the field through the work of graduate students at the university of southern california I'm Cindy Alnick. And I'm Trudy Sandmeyer. So, Cindy. Yes, Trudy.
2: Today, we're going to have a little bit of a controversial conversation here on Save
0: As about deconstruction. Yeah, I got to tell you, we're going to the upside down. This is bizarro (laughs) world for Cindy. (laughs) The Andy Rooney of Save As. I'm just saying. The whole idea of taking buildings apart you know, is sort of antithetical to what heritage conservation is about on one level, so it just seems like the opposite in a, in a way. But I know that's very simplistic. Yeah, it's it's a much more nuanced conversation, I think. Mm-hmm. So I had a conversation with Guad
2: Flores, who is a recent graduate of our program, about this topic. He sort of ended up talking about deconstruction. Almost accidentally, he started off with a whole different topic and Mm. it kind of shifted in focus as he worked through his research and his writing and turned out to be really an analysis of deconstruction and how it fits into our field. Yeah. So, buildings have a life cycle and, you know, we can't save everything and we know that, and nor do we want to necessarily. So, in this bigger conversation about sustainability and about How do we identify and keep the things we really want to keep? And then what do we do with everything else? We've already cut down trees.
0: We've already mined things. We've already done those things. Mm -hmm. Why don't we use them again? I know. It's one of those things that just, it makes so much sense until you take a step back and look at the reality of our situation with development. And, you know, it's just faster and cheaper in the short term. And, you know, we, we have a really hard time as humans thinking about the long game. Yeah. But if anything that is coming out in the news today about climate change and the
2: realities of what's happening, we can no longer afford to play that short game.
0: Climate, public health, air quality, environmental justice, so many other issues. So let's get to it. Let's hear Trudy's conversation with Guad Flores.
2: Welcome, Guad, to Save As. Thanks for coming on our podcast. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself?
1: Well, thank you for helping me. My name is Guadalupe Flores. I'm an architect. I'm a recent graduate of the uh, Master of Heritage Conservation Program, but I'm also a graduate of the School of Architecture with a Bachelor of Architecture. I have my own practice, and I've been doing architecture for over 28 years.
2: What kind of work do you do in your practice?
1: Primarily, I, my focus is education, K through 12, and higher education, and healthcare, hospitals, those kinds of things.
2: So you are out in the world as a practicing architect. What made you decide to go back to school and get a degree in heritage conservation?
1: Well, it was a rough time because during the last recession of 2008, I was out of work. At the time, architecture was in a a very bad state. And so I had time on my hands, so to speak. So I decided to use some of that time for personal development. So I decided to look into getting into the program And the reason I decided to do that is because I currently live in a 1924 house that's in the Bungalow Heaven district here in Pasadena. Uh, And I was also representative to the Pasadena Historical Preservation Board. For me, it was sort of like a natural thing to, to pursue as far as what am I going to study.
2: How long have you lived in your house in Bungalow Heaven?
1: 24 years.
2: How did you end up there?
1: When my wife and I first got married way back in 93, she still was in school. And so we lived in downtown. We would have to venture out for groceries, for movies or shopping. Gradually, our weekends were spent in Pasadena because we would come up, have lunch or go to the movies, do our grocery shopping. And so when it came time to look, we were like, why don't we just look to find a home in Pasadena? My wife found the district. And we had a realtor, and so he says, I have this house that's coming on the market, but it's not quite, not on the market yet, right? So you can go take a look. So they gave us the address. So As we were driving up, she was driving, and I looked the passenger side of the window, and I looked at the house and it says, okay, I'm done. I knew that was gonna be my house. So we parked and we came back. We fell in love with the house just by looking through the front windows. Yeah, that was it. It wasn't until after that we moved in that, that I saw the like the, the house and I'm going, "Oh my God, what did we just get into?" It was because it's an old house had a lot of deferred maintenance. It was kind of a mess, and so we've done some work to it, but it, there's still a lot of work to be done. One of the things, like my father-in-law said, it's like when we bought the house. He tells me, it's like I hope you're you like this house because. She's never going to want to move. My wife is like, you know, puts down roots fast, and then it's hard to change them. That's, yeah, but, you know. but
2: that's the kind of neighborhood it is. It's a place where people come and they don't leave. They set down roots.
1: Oh, it's a great neighborhood. We actually know our neighbors. Everybody sticks around. We, we have very little turnover.
2: So your house is almost going to have its 100th anniversary yep. here. Yep. Coming right around the corner. Throw at a party. Excellent. I hope I get invited. So what was the title of your thesis, Gwad?
1: The thesis is Deconstruction, a Tool for Sustainable Conservation.
2: Okay. So let's dig in a little bit to what does that mean. There's a couple words there that we should probably define. Okay. So what is deconstruction?
1: So deconstruction is, think of it as uh, the manual disassembly of a building sort of like construction in reverse for the purpose of of salvaging building materials with the intent of reusing them if you remove a 2x4 and you put it in a new building for example then the function of that 2x4 continues to be a 2x4 you don't turn it into some scaffolding or whatever it, you know so the idea is that you take it out of one building, and then you use it in a new building with the same intent, the same function.
2: So how is it different than salvage? So then salvage,
1: for me, would be that you remove it and then you don't necessarily use it for the same purpose because once you salvage it, you can then upcycle or downcycle it, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you take... That same 2x4 and you that you salvage, and then you downcycle it, you turn it into a chair or something, right? Salvaging is recycled. I think that the intent is when you deconstruct that you're actually going to use that material. In new construction. For the same purpose. <laughs> ¶¶
2: How did you end up with this thesis topic? Where did this come from? So my original intent
1: was to do embodied energy. All the energy that was used for a particular building component from extraction or harvest to transportation, to processing, to manufacture, to transportation, to final installation in the building, in this case. So it's all that energy that was used for that particular component, for that to put it in its final spot kind of thing.
2: I know that the amount of energy used in the calculations that people look at in terms of global energy use that the building production side of things uses an enormous amount of energy. Mm -hmm. Like 40% of all energy used or more comes from the building industry. And that's from harvest and construction and transportation and all of these things. So this is a big part of the sustainability conversation, for sure.
1: Yeah. But it also includes the operation of those buildings. So it's not just building the buildings, but it's also operating the buildings. All
2: the energy that goes into keeping a building functional. Yes. So you were looking around for a thesis topic in the embodied energy area. And that was right about the time that I heard from a guy who was looking to do a project for a grant proposal for the LA 2050 program, which was about thinking about green building and sustainability, how to create a, a better city by the year 2050. And he was interested in really doing a close analysis of a project of deconstructing a house and using those materials to build a new one as a sort of template for projects that would follow. And so I hooked him up with you.
1: And so I I looked into it. I, I spoke to the contractor that was doing the deconstruction. They agreed to share their research information and photographs and all kinds of stuff. So that was great.
2: The house that you looked at that was being deconstructed, was it a landmark?
1: No, no. The house was not a designated structure.
2: Mm -hmm. Was it old?
1: And it's a 1907 two-story American four-square style house.
2: So it started off with this single house project that you kind of thought, you know, okay, here's a kernel that I can use. And then you built on that. Yes. By really exploring this idea of deconstruction, where it came from and where it's headed. Mm -hmm. So the team deconstructed the 1907 house, and then what did they do with the materials?
1: As part of the, the grant program research, the contractor was going to take those materials that were removed from that 1907 house and then incorporate those materials in a new... 2017 house. So they loaded up trucks of lumber, a brick, and then they were transported to a construction site in Mount Washington. Mm -hmm. And a new home was built, Mm -hmm. incorporating some of those materials.
2: Why is it a challenge for people to reuse existing building materials? Well,
1: you know, the funny thing is that that this reuse of materials in new construction is is nothing, it's not new. Um, Man has been doing this from the dawn of time. It's just now that materials are more plentiful. So in earlier days, materials weren't so readily available. There was no Home Depot, right, down by the lake or whatever. (laughs) And so people had to use whatever materials they had on hand. And when a building or whatever structure became non-usable, they would take those materials and incorporate them into new materials. So the material reuse through deconstruction is not a new concept. It's only now as a result of the green building movement that, that it had found a new audience kind of thing.
2: So why do we not deconstruct buildings more often?
1: In my opinion, it was the result of the post-war years where everything was modern, new, shiny. And so not a lot of people wanted old things, you know. So so the new mindset was new and shiny. And so we tended to discard quickly.
2: Mm-hmm. But, you know, wood has been used in houses, even mid-century houses. And... It's a building material that may or may not even be visible. It might be concealed behind walls or whatever. So why right. wouldn't we just be doing that all the time?
1: Well, the other unfortunate thing that came about is the development. And so for a developer, time is money. So it's easier for that developer to raise that site, just get a big bulldozer and just drop it, mm-hmm. knock it to the ground and scoop it all up and then haul it to the landfill than to try to get in there and and, and meticulously extract materials for reuse. Because mm-hmm. deconstruction is a labor-intensive operation. Probably it takes just as much time to deconstruct it as it took to initially construct it because, you, like I said earlier, you're doing it in reverse. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of development didn't have that or didn't want to spend the time to deconstruct it. It was much easier for them to... Just mow it
2: down. Yeah. So, what makes wood from 1907 different from wood in 2017?
1: So, wood from 1907 is probably old growth from trees that had been allowed to grow for a long period of time before they were harvested, and so the wood from old growth forests is a lot denser, but the wood from today is from relatively young ores. The wood is not as, as dense.
2: So the grain is, is farther apart, right? Yes. And so it's not as strong.
1: It's, yes, it's not as strong.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So old wood is valuable then because it's stronger and more resistant to pests seems like a good thing to reuse.
1: Well, one would think. And the old wood characteristics are better than the new wood, you know, aesthetically. Mm-hmm. So if, like, you were to use some of that lumber as a finished product, you know, you have, you know, a nicer grains and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there is, a, there is characteristics, you know, structural, aesthetic, that are better than the old wood than the new wood.
2: One of the reasons why this is tricky ground for heritage conservationists is because, of course, to do deconstruction, it requires the demolition of the building, and that's always sort of the last resort for us. So, why would you write a thesis about deconstruction in a heritage conservation program? How does it play into this conversation? Well,
1: that's that's tricky. I love old buildings, you know. I live in an old building, and I've always enjoyed older buildings. You know, it, it makes me sad when. Older buildings get demolished and or for no particular reason, or they get abandoned and dilapidated, and you know nobody takes care of them. Mm-hmm. In, in my thesis, I try to make it clear that deconstruction is always a last resort, and so even buildings reach an end of life in their cycles. Those older buildings have character defining features it would be a shame just to like say okay just throw it in the trash some of the plaster work some of the medallions and things like that you know they should be try to save some of the mill work you just can't find certain things moldings moldings and things like that some of the quality of those materials is much better than what you can find today and it makes no sense to just throw it all in the trash take it out and find another home to use it. The deconstruction of the of the 1907 house, I think that was very straightforward, and I actually was present during some of the deconstruction. For me, it was very gratifying to see that some of the lumber's that were were removed were actually incorporated into that new construction. I'm sure there will be some people that would try to use that as an argument to to them. It's like, well, it's. I, We don't want it anymore, and we can deconstruct it so we can save it. And then they can use that as a reason for removing an older structure. So I made sure in my thesis, no, this is not a tool to assist you in removing historic structure.
2: Some cities are already incorporating deconstruction into their building codes. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell me about a couple of examples.
1: So, the one that has led the charge as far as municipalities enacting an ordinance is Portland, Portland, Oregon. So, they were one of the first to incorporate a deconstruction ordinance requirement. And this particular ordinance also has a heritage component, meaning buildings of a certain age automatically get deconstructed. They don't get demoed.
2: But there are quite a few cities now who are incorporating this idea into their building codes.
1: Or in a process, or in the process. Does
2: it link to their landmark designations, or is there some linkage to age or or to uh, designations of any kind?
1: Yes. So, for instance, Portland, Oregon has a heritage component saying that any house or any structure built before 1940 is automatically deconstructed. Baltimore- Any structure built before 1970. Vancouver, British Columbia has 1950. And then others don't have the heritage component.
2: And it's principally as a sustainability measure, correct?
1: Deconstruction, because of of its timing, has fallen in that sustainability umbrella.
2: In the past, have building inspectors and departments... Been okay with reusing lumber? Yes. Actually,
1: currently, the California State Building Code allows for reusing materials, but it's uh, it's almost like on a case-by-case building basis, and it also depends on the building inspector.
2: When I think about salvage and the connotations behind that and why I have such a reaction to that term, mm-hmm. I think of it in terms of people pillaging a building And sort of stripping it of all of its character-defining features for nefarious purposes, for sort of economic value, taking a beautiful stained glass window out of someplace and selling it or something like that. And deconstruction is really different in terms of the goal behind it. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of possibilities for these materials that are still kind of unknown people are just not doing this as much as they should be
1: sadly that's true but again there's such a reservation with conservationists and so until we get everybody on board as far as like yes that could be a beneficial tool that benefits conservation that benefits waste reduction those kinds of things then it's going to not be looked upon favorably
2: so thank you, Guad, for spending a little time chatting with me today about deconstruction and about your research and about the future of our field.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hopefully it was as ex- exciting for you as it was for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks so much, Trudy and Guad, for this great conversation. I think it's always really interesting that we're
2: coming up now to an era where so much of the built environment of Los Angeles was originally constructed. There was massive construction in the 1920s in all of Southern California, and not all of them are historic, and not all of them are in good shape or are necessarily going to survive for another century. So what do we do with these materials? How do we handle the ones that are not historic? There is an inherent value in the age of those
0: materials and their ability to be reused. And as we've said, we are by far not the only ones having this conversation. So we're going to put a bunch of resources on our episode page at SaveAs.Place, including um, a Place Economics report on deconstruction and links to cities that have these ordinances. So so SaveAs.Place. The place to be. Also, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and for now, Twitter at SaveAsNextGen, all one word. This
2: episode was produced by the amazing Willis Seidenberg with an assist from Trudy. Thanks to our intern Emily Kwok and the team at the USC Annenberg Agency. A huge thanks to Stephen Fimbris for his fantastic help with our website, saveas.place. It's looking awesome. Go check it out. Our original theme music is by Stephen Conley. Additional music for this episode is by Tom Davies. Saveas is a production of the Heritage Conservation Program in the School of Architecture at the University of Southern California.